Welcome to the North Texas District Leadership Podcast. This is a resource from and for those of us serving Jesus with the North Texas District of the Assemblies of God. How you doing, friends? I hope wherever you are that you're doing well today. I'm here today with Robert, my man Miller, in the studio. How you doing, sir? I'm great, Lennon. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thanks for taking time to be with us. Absolutely. It's an honor. So today we're going to talk about when and when not to build. We're talking about physical renovations, physical buildings. Uh, Lots of pastors have at some point experienced the limitations of physical space where their congregation meets to worship. And so uh, you might be a church planner with a dream of not having to unload the trailer at six o'clock on a Sunday morning into an elementary school. Or maybe you're a pastor that needs to expand their sanctuary or renovate because the Lord is moving. Or you might be a church with a dream for a totally new building on a big piece of land that you've purchased, small piece of land, whatever. Whatever the case, so Robert, building programs are a big deal, and the end result is hopefully a dream come true. But something that we've talked about is that the process itself can be pretty draining. It can sometimes be pretty risky. And something you have mentioned is that uh, not every pastor makes it through the building process in one piece. Yeah, that's true, Lennon. You know, there's a lot of statistics out there that talk about a building program and the wear and tear it takes on a pastor and how, honestly, so many pastors just want to quit after a building program. And uh, I I like to go against that trend and go against those statistics for our pastors as we go with them through this process. So your official title, you're our loan fund director. Give us a little bit of just your background, longtime pastor. Uh, you wore two hats bivocationally. Tell us how you got to this place of running the loan fund. Sure, absolutely. So I pastored in Oklahoma for 13 years. I was an executive pastor at a church and uh, for uh, several years, and then an opportunity came up to pastor a district-affiliated church that— If I can just say, please don't turn this off. I know he said Oklahoma, but he has obviously repented. <laughs> I'm still a Sooner fan. Don't hold that against me. Don't turn us off or tune us out because of that. Uh, But I absolutely love Texas and love being a part of it, but I'm still a Sooner fan for my football team. Sure. Uh, But I did. I pastored there, and uh, the church that we took uh, was a small district-affiliated church, and our presbyter at the time, we owned a business in town, and he said, hey, have you ever thought about pastoring? There's a church that needs a pastor, and he said, you could stay bivocational and lead that church and see if, you know, see what happens. And then so we prayed about it, and three weeks later, we were the pastor there. It was a mile and a half from our house. Wow. We didn't have to relocate our family. It was in the town where we lived and served and our kids were in school. And so we just knew it was an opportunity from God. And so I was in banking uh, at that time. And so I remained bivocational for over eight years while I pastored that church. And I had several prophetic words in my life, but one of those was that uh, I would have a dual anointing on my life for ministry and business. And I never really knew what that meant or how that would come to play until I got a call one day from our secretary treasurer, Greg Headley. Wow. And he was asking for this very specific skill set. And he... uh, named four checklist items that they were looking for for this position as the director of the church loan fund. And I met all four of them just just almost perfectly. Wow. And so I knew it was God had prepared us through all these seasons of life and ministry for this opportunity that had come up uh, to come and serve here in the North Texas district. So I have 21 years of banking and lending experience and 13 years of, of pastoring experience. That's incredible. And I can observe that dual anointing. Friends, if you don't know, you're listening to a guy who spoke out 50 of 52 weekends or something like that last year. You you are you are a trusted voice for a pastor to come in, pinch hit, encourage their congregation. And then yet you also do have this other ministry. And I love how you referred to the NTD Loan Fund. Uh, you said that you don't just represent a financial office. So talk about how you view the Loan Fund's role as far as working with our churches. Absolutely. And I believe that a district is here 
here to to serve and to partner with our ministers and our churches. And so I look at the loan fund as just like our youth department, our kids department, our church planting and development department, that we're partners to come alongside our ministers and our churches to help them towards all of our vision of having healthy churches. And so I look at the loan fund. We're not a we're not a lender that's just sitting back waiting, uh, you know, to approve or deny loans or collect money from people or uh, you know see how well we can play in the stock market or you know make money for people. Uh, we, we're a partner, and with my background as a ministry and uh, a pastor and a banker, our vision is is that we partner in ministry, that we come alongside churches to help them through this spiritual journey of financial stewardship of the resources that they're entrusted over of properties and, and buildings and uh, whatever that looks like for them in their context. And, you know, I think embarking on a new building or, or renovation project is a spiritual journey in the life of that church and in the life of that pastor. And, you know, as we mentioned, those statistics not being true, our hope and our vision is at the end of the process that it's a celebration. Everybody's clapping, cheering, and not sitting back going, man, I'm so glad this is over. I'm so glad we're done with this. You know, I want it to be an excitement. And they look back and say, wow, that went well. That went great. What a great process. And the thoughts of wanting to quit or being burned out at that process are are not even in their forefront of their minds. So we're going to go into some of the nuts and bolts of of that. But First, before you do that, just talk to us about, you mentioned partnering. Uh, talk to us about someone in, specifically in the North Texas District family that uh, we've been able to partner with recently. Sure. So I've been here almost two years now, uh, Lennon, and it's been amazing to see how God has just been moving during my season here. We have done almost $20 million in loans in the last two years. Wow. Uh, Pastor Greg likes to joke sometimes that I don't, let, I don't like grass to grow under my feet, that you know we keep things moving and move pretty quick. But uh, part of it is just our economy. Texas is doing really well. The North Texas District Church Loan Fund represents the entire state of Texas. So we work with South Texas and West Texas districts as well. So our footprint is is really large. It's about 1,200 churches and about 4,000 ministers in the state of Texas that we have the ability to work with. And so there's a lot of opportunity out there. There's a lot of communities in all three districts that are growing. Uh, Commerce is doing well. Business is doing well. Housing, schools, incomes are are doing well. And so we have a lot of great opportunity to go in and work with uh, churches on that. And so I was thinking through some of the ones we've helped recently, and I'd like to think they've all went well. I'd love to right. think all of them would just sat, step back and say, what a great uh, job we've done. But there is one that really sticks out that I use as one of our examples to churches of coming alongside of partnering down uh, in Round Rock, Texas. Uh, it's a church that has been renting in a retail center for years, paying lots of money for this strip mall lease. They uh, have put a lot of money into the building to make it look like a church, and that's money they'll never get back. The landlord's not going to pay them back. He didn't right. discount their lease for that, uh, but they've done it to make it work. They're great growing. They're bursting out of their seams. They've taken over other units in that retail center, but uh, it's never, all that money is never going to go anywhere. And so they finally found a piece of land. It's an expensive area to buy. They found some acreage that they really wanted. It was in a prime location. And they came to us and said, this is it. This is what we want to buy. And it was, it was outside of their price range. They weren't prepared uh, financially for that, but they said, what would it look like? What could we do to make this happen? So we went down, we walked the land with them. We prayed over the land with them. And we said, God, give us wisdom on this. Give us discernment. What would this look like? to partner together uh, to purchase this piece of property. Wells Fargo is never going to do that, by the way. Not that I know of. Right. I don't think they uh, offer that as one of their services. Uh, This piece of land was incredible. It had seven residential properties on it that were currently being rented out on one side of it, and the other side was primed and ready to build a commercial building for a church. And they said, you know, we've got this rent opportunity. What would this look like? And so we said, okay, this is a step a little bit outside of your financial capacity. But, you know, I always say if it's God's will, it's God's bill. So 
Here's what it would look like. If you could raise this amount of money to prepare for the purchase of the land, then we'll come in and partner with the loan and do the rest. And so they said, okay, we believe God's in this. And they went to work and they raised in a short amount of time, 20% more than we even asked them to raise to commit to this project. So we knew God was in it. And we said, okay, go ahead and begin the design process. But before we are are able to fund the construction money uh, and start moving dirt, we need you to raise another significant amount, a large amount of money to put towards this project. And the first week we asked them to do that, a buyer showed up bought some of the acreage and one of the rent houses, residential properties on that, and gave them over a half a million dollars towards it to start their construction project. So we knew God was in it. They raised all the funds they needed. They're almost done over their design phase and we're getting ready to start moving dirt. And so we look at that as an example of partnering with somebody. So we can come in and say, this is what it would look like. This is a healthy situation where you're stepping out in faith, we're stepping out in faith, and we're going to see God move and do some great things in this project. So Robert, a lot of our pastors, you mentioned the things you said, if this happens, then this can happen. So a lot of our pastors who might like to build may not be sure if they're in a healthy position or not. And so we're definitely, as you said, we could see God was in it. We're committed to faith. We're committed to the provision of God. Uh, We also embrace practical wisdom. That's why you gave them some guidelines. So when a pastor calls you, what types of other things might you give them to help determine if their congregation is financially in a healthy enough place to build? Sure. So one of the things I start with, Lennon, is I I explain to people what the church loan fund is. A lot of people maybe have this misconception that the district is sitting on a whole lot of money and we need something to do with it. So we loan it to churches in this process. And so I explained to them that we have investors and the investors are other churches in our district and individuals who are members of churches in our districts. And they invest money with us. We pay them a great return on their interest, but we're also tasked with being a great steward of their money that they've invested with us to loan it to our churches. So it has to be a healthy situation because we're accountable for that. The people love investing with us because they know it's kingdom money. They know we're putting it back into the kingdom of God to grow churches and bless communities and ultimately grow the kingdom of God. So they love investing with us on that forefront. So I first explained explain what it is. It's not our money. So when we make a decision, it's not the North Texas district saying, this is our money. So we either believe in you or don't believe in you if we decide to give money. That's an important point. It's a very important point. And then from there, I get asked all the time from pastors, hey, we need to borrow some money. We need to build. You know, what does that look like for us? How much money do we need? How much money do we need to make? And so we have some just framework metrics that we give pastors to look at. You know, I'll give you some just simple ones here quickly, uh, Lennon, that, that I have in conversations with pastors. One of those is we look at their income. We need a financial state from the church. Churches have to keep good financial records. You need an accounting software. You need to keep good track of your money, what comes in and what goes out. You have to be able to account for it because we need to see that if you want to borrow money. We look at that financial statement and we look at what we call non-designated income. And that's money that's not geared towards missions, youth fund, youth camp, you know, children's departments. And we look at the ties, the offerings, the building fund money. And we take that amount. And one of the metrics we give a church is say, you could borrow about three times your annual income. So if a church has 500,000 a year in annual income, they could borrow about a million and a half. If they have 100000 they could borrow about 300000 Now, that's hard. That's not hard and fast, but that just gives you a ballpark of where you could be uh, to borrow money. Another one we look at is the capacity a church has to make a loan payment. So it's not just your gross income, but it's ha- what you have left over. So if you spend every dollar that comes in plus some, you don't have a capacity to right. make a loan payment. Right. So you got to have some net income. you got to have money left over to make a loan payment. So we look at that, your capacity to make a payment. Another one we look at is reserves. We encourage you just like you do with your personal finances to save some money because you never know what emergencies are going to come up. You never know when an air conditioner is going to go out or something. Opportunity is going to come up to, to bless somebody or do something. So we like a church to have at least three months of all of their expenses and savings. That way, if something happens, they've got a reserve. And then if they want to take on a mortgage, we ask them to have six months of that payment 
in reserve. Okay. So if the payment's $1,000, we ask you to set aside $6,000 in mortgage payments. If it's 10000 a month, you need to put back 60000 And And that is really there for those months where there's more month than there is money. Right. Things happen sometimes. Budgets change. Somebody, you know, can't give because they lose their job. And you've got to have a reserve there to make a payment so it's not a stressful situation trying to figure it out at that time. So those are just some of the, you know, things we look at. We look at their budget. What percentage of their budget's going to staffing, to facilities, to ministry, to missions? If a church isn't giving anything to missions, we look at that. Wow. Uh, you know, yeah. that's important for us to see the health of how church uses and stewards their resources. So Robert, is is there anything anything different? You know, this question was on healthy enough place to build. Are there any any dynamics worth mentioning whenever it comes to a significant renovation? If a church is already in a property, perhaps they've they've had the building for a good while, maybe it's paid off or closer to it. What sort of things might come into play there? So sometimes there's a misconception that, you know, if we build it, they will come. Or if we make it look like the new church down the street, then we're automatically going to grow. And there's there's some truth to that because people are judging churches based on their appearances. They drive by and see what it looks like. They walk in. They want to know that it's a nice, safe, clean place. And so I do a lot of that. I get to walk through facilities with pastors. Just this week, I went out and saw a church. And you drove up from the outside. And I'll be honest with you, it wasn't the greatest looking property from the outside. But you walked in, and it's incredible what they've done with the place. You can see they've started on the inside and they're working their way out uh, with the resources they have. And that was what I went out there to for was to say, okay, we're ready to borrow some money to complete the outside. And in a moment like that, I see that they have excellence in their leadership, excellence in their ministry. They take care of what they've had. They've done well with what they've had. And we're happy to come in and partner and say, you know what, you're doing the right things. You're doing it for the right reasons. I'll tell you, Lynn, and I walk through churches sometimes and pastors going, we're not growing, we're losing people. You know, if we could just get some money and renovate our building, that's that's the answer that we need. And I look around and they can't even touch up paint on the walls. They can't pick up trash. They can't clean the carpets. Yes. Leading in excellence is so important. And I yes. believe we have to be good stewards of what God has already given us and take care of what we have. And then we're ready for those next steps. But we look at, you know, we can look at their buildings and say, are you using this part of it wisely? Could we tear out a wall? Could we move a hallway? Could we add a bathroom? I mean, sometimes there's things we can do with what they already have where building isn't the the right now answer. That's that's great. So talking about things that can be in line before you move forward, um, Let's talk about some of those sad instances where things don't go well. I realize hindsight is always twenty twenty, but when a pastor, as you mentioned earlier, does get burned out and want to be done at the end of a building program or before, whenever things maybe run aground and a facility sits uh, 80% finished for years on end, these are things that have happened. And so what kinds of mistakes are usually part of an outcome that does not go as tended? Sure. Lynn, and I'll tell you, these, these are the ones that keep me up at night uh, sometimes because it, it breaks my my heart. I know as a pastor what it's like to be excited, to have a vision, cast the vision, get people behind the vision, and then it not go as planned and you get near the end. And and it, it's really a reflection of leadership. You right. know, we take it personal that, man, I didn't do this well. And now it's a reflection of my leadership. And I think the preparation and the pre-planning is what is can alleviate so many of those issues. You know, I'll tell you, there are things that are going to come up in every building program. I've never seen one just go perfect where there's not an overage, there's not an added expense, there's not a change, there's not something that comes up, but it's being prepared for those. And, and that makes that when it happens so much smoother. So one of the things we like to do is if it's going to cost $2 million, that's the budget a builder's given us to build this facility. We build in an extra 10% of contingency. 
So we build in another $200,000 that we set aside and say it's there if we need it. Right. And so what really happens a lot of the time is a church goes in and the most they can afford is, let's say, a million dollars. That maxes them out. That stretches their capacity to pay. And we get near the end and they need another hundred or $150,000 and they just can't afford it. It's not there. We've already stretched them to the max. Right. And so we like to leave that cushion. We don't max them out in the beginning. We leave that cushion so we know we can go a little extra if we need to at the end. Uh, and that just makes that a, a lot easier conversation than going, okay, it's 80% done. And honestly, as a as a partner in it and as a church, an 80% done building does none of us any good. That's true. Because you can't meet there. You can't reach your community. <laughs> yeah. yep. It's harder to make your payments on it for the 80% that you've already borrowed. And so we really try to alleviate those as much as possible in the beginning stages right. of the process. Right. That, that's good. So you told me something recently that I've loved to think about. You said, uh, truthfully, in the NTD loan fund, we've never officially turned anybody down, which I, I love that sentence because obviously that doesn't mean that you've loaned money in every single situation we've been asked. So what did you mean? You know, I joke uh, a lot of times with people, Lennon, that I don't have these giant stamps in my office that say approved or denied. And I've I'm not in, in there. Office, I can say uh, that. Exactly. I don't have this big red ink pad just waiting to stamp denied or a black one for approved and all these loans. You know, we do have a process. I'm not the one who approves loans. We have a wonderful executive presbytery leadership team that I meet with for every loan request and I present it to them. And ultimately, they make the final decision whether or not to approve a loan or to go back to the planning stages before it's ready to be approved. And so what we do is if a loan is not approvable at that time. I feel like it's my job to get it ready. And so I'll give a church what needs to happen. What needs to happen with their budget? Do they need to cut some expenses? Do they need to raise some funds? Do they need to change how they do certain things? Do they need to scale back the building they're trying to build? Do they need to try to renovate what they do have? And and we just look at the whole approach to it and say, this is what needs to happen to then help you be prepared to get approved for a loan. So we never just flat out say, you're denied. Sorry, we're never going to loan you money. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there are times where we have to say, you're just not ready yet. But if you could do this and this and these things all work out, then we're prepared to partner with you from a financial loan standpoint. That takes a little bit of the fear and asking. A building project, if you've never undertaken it, is tremendously daunting because you are aware that it's not just your vision. It's going to require the cooperation of however many people you have in your church to giving and planning. So talk to one of our pastors who might be listening right now, and maybe they have a dream of making a really old facility look new or um, building afresh. So what is their first step? Should they call an architect? Do they talk to cousin Bob who works in construction? Go ahead and take faith pledges and then call you <laughs> like Robert, get it, get us started. Um, where should we start? I'll tell you, I've seen them start in all of those uh, places. Right. Yeah. And what I recommend is start by giving us a call. You know, I, I like to be the the first resource that a church starts with. I've seen it too many times where a pastor goes, they have a, an idea, a vision, a dream for a building. They go meet with an architect. The architect, the first thing he asks you is say, what's your vision? What do you want? You know, what are, what are you trying to build? And the pastor just lays his heart out and says, this is what we want. The architect designs it. They give it to a builder to get a bid. 
And it comes in way more expensive than the pastor ever thought it would take to build what they wanted. So then what happens is the pastor's either deflated because they go, oh, we're never going to build what we want to build. Or, uh, you know, they just go through this emotions of, man, I missed it. Maybe I missed it. Maybe this isn't the Lord. And we don't want it to go that way. Or they stretch themselves and say, oh, we've got to build this building. And they figure out financially how to get that done. And it's not a healthy situation. So what I say is give us a call. I love to sit down with pastors, hear their visions, hear their dreams, hear their struggles, hear their strategies, hear their ideas, and let's try to work. Let's try to find a solution that works. Uh, and then we have those resources. We have builders. We have architects. We have contractors. We have, uh, y- you know, uh, companies that we can refer them to once we're ready. I have other lenders. Maybe we're not able to do the loan, but I have other lenders, and I know what they're looking for. And I can say, you know what? This lender will be able to help you. Let me be your mediator. Let me help you with this process. And I think if you start with us, we'll help them be prepared so then they're ready and it's a smooth process. I sit down with boards. I sit down with building committees. I sit down with pastoral teams and and I just ask these questions and I have these conversations and that's what we love to do. So don't think uh, that you're going to be a burden on us or we're too busy to help because that's, that's what we're here for. We're here to serve, help them be more healthy and make this process a great process for them. That's great, Robert. Let's finish with one question. Let me throw this at you. You are you're a loan officer. You are a minister of the gospel. Uh, you love Jesus, and your office is full of books. Uh, tell us about something you're you're reading right now, or just that you've read recently that has got you stirred up. Absolutely. I actually a friend of mine, Michael Lukowazuski, just wrote a book uh, the, called Streamline. And it's one of the most practical uh, ministry books that I've read. There's a lot of ministry books that are maybe written by pastors of big churches, and they just didn't relate to my context of a couple hundred people getting together on a Sunday morning. You know, they have a couple hundred people on their staff. (laughs) And and, and so it's always been hard to, to see some of those. So this book has so many practical things that you can just literally open to a chapter and says how to start a another service or how to, how to cancel something that's not going well. And it just has practical insight into it's something you can implement tomorrow. It's not something you got to get a committee or a team for or pay a conference for. And so it's really just ministering me of going, man, I, I missed some of these things pastoring that I could have done. Yeah. I've had some conversation with the pastor and go, Ooh, I can share this with them. Here's an idea. Yeah. Uh, and so it's just really something that I just, sometimes I just love the simple practical, you know, not the profound and the things that I really got to figure out how to do. This is just really said, man, this is something you can implement. You can start tomorrow. It's a simple change you can make. You could turn a direction of something. And uh, it's it's just been a great resource uh, as I've gone through that. And I can't wait to share it with some of our pastors. Well, that's great, friends. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Robert, my man Miller, today. And as he said about the loan fund, this is true for the whole district office. We exist for you, not ourselves. And so uh, wherever you serve in God's kingdom, if you have a counterpart up here, you're a youth pastor, um, we have a youth director, you know, all of these kinds of things. We just want you to know we're here for you. We love you. And we hope you have another great week serving Jesus and his bride, the local church.